Scallywags, scoundrels, rogues, and rebels, Asylum Studios is pleased to present a show that will bend your mind, scramble your morals, and ruin your good taste. This is not a show to take home to your mother and definitely not one for the children. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Chaos and Disorder. Four in a row, Rick. Four in a row. We tried to not let it happen, but it happened anyhow. That is a streak, at least in the last year, oh, anyway. Easily, easily. So welcome back into Chaos and Disorder. I am your host with the most, the talent, Rick Flieger. Joined, as always, by the gray-bearded bloviator. Blind Rage is his baseline, and you don't want to see him when he's angry. Just one beer away from the end. Creepy Uncle Rick Briggs. And in the producer studio, finally someone competent enough to get the show on the air. Absolutely no one. Finkelstein is back in the clink, and as it turns out, this isn't really all that hard, and we don't need them. I can handle it from here. Check out all of Creepy Uncle Rick's tw- uh, unprovoked attacks on Twitter at Chaos and Disorder. You can buy all of my show-worn underwear on Facebook at Chaos and Disorder Pod. And if you want to reach out and touch the show directly, you can email Briggs. It goes directly to him at bluehairedbootyseeker at hotmail.com. See, you can do it, too. I mean, we actually, what is his purpose? I'm not real sure, but, uh, hey, thanks to Andy Frampton for bringing us in. You can find him on Facebook, TikTok, um, at Broncos Swanson, and, of course, thanks to Rival Lovers for all the great music. You know, you can find them on Twitter, at Real Rival Lovers. You can also find their stuff on YouTube, and where at? Grinder. No. Oh, uh... Band camp. Oh, yeah, band camp, band camp. Yeah. Also, hey, I'd like to mention a new follower of the show. Oh, wow. And, oh. Um, you know, you should, you should check out Annie Keating. Uh, she has sent us her latest single entitled 2022. And if you like singer-songwriters or like alt-country and Americana, please check her out. You can find her on Twitter at Annie Keating NYC. And you can find her on YouTube and band camp as well and so she's yes. on the band camp look at you out there networking huh are we supposed to play the song on the air no i mean it was just um um she followed the show and everything and and, and hit us up on twitter and, and you know i said thanks for the the follow and then you know ask her what she's about so she sent us her new single it was just released january 26th of this year and it's entitled 2022. It's very good. Yeah, I'm going I'm to have to check this out. I mean, you're a networker, man. Just getting it done. Getting her done. Speaking of Well, I mean, you know. Well, he's back <laughs> in the clink, you know what I mean. Yeah, he's in a pine box naked, probably headed to Guyana now if he pissed Mitch off last week. Well, that, that could be it. You know, I just assumed it was another drunken disorderly. He... You know, he failed to put the sign in his yard. All the things that usually happen with him, you know what I mean? True. You know, it, and I reflected on last week a little you bit. You reflected? Right? Ooh, yes. I didn't know you and were such a the, reflector. the new persona, Uncle Rick. Yeah. Well. Get off my lawn. Yeah, it's not true. Uh, we no, all knew it was bullshit when you said it. I don't like you. I don't like them. I just, no. Why the, uh, why the no. sudden change? I mean, just, we we knew it was BS last week. But no, you were it really there. wasn't. I really was feeling kind. Really? And, and your negativity brought me oh, back. Oh, so it's my fault, right? <laughs> well, so, of course. So you, you're one of the shiny, happy people well, until yeah. I come around <laughs> and then I drag you down. Now you got it, <laughs> I, yes. I don't, I don't believe any yes. of this is true. I don't, you know, in fact... You know what it is? You miss Finkelstein. 
He was in a great mood last week when he was over there pushing the wrong buttons and drooling all over himself, and now he's not here, and you're all grumpy. No. Because he didn't bring beer? He hasn't been bringing much beer. Did he start teetotaling? I, I'm not real Is sure. Is he on the wagon or something? I don't know. He doesn't look like he's in any better shape. No, no, no. He's <laughs> still know. he's still on the, on the, we like to call it the Rick Briggs trajectory from what I can see, you know what I mean. <laughs> but uh, it just sort of dawned on me he hasn't been nearly as miserable of an alcoholic as he's normally been. Which yeah. could explain the absence. You know, you get off, and then when you get back on, you know, it's a, a bender. Yeah. I, I Maybe. I wonder if he's secretly training for a more competitive dance. Or training for a better podcast. No. <laughs> yeah, that's not possible. <laughs> that, that, exactly. It's not possible. Well, there's he a lot. Fi- he couldn't find a better podcast. Well, there's plenty of better podcasts, but nobody's no. going to let him come in and smash the wrong buttons. <laughs> so, smash uh, the equipment, period. Right, yeah, so we're the only ones who would put up with that. You have no idea what I spent the last three nights doing. Two and a half hours. I don't want to know. Night. What you well, not did. that. Not that. That was later on. Oh. The last two and a half hours per night for three nights. So that's what five, seven and a half hours. That's pretty good math, right there. Yeah, that's real good. You, you'll um, never believe it. I don't well, think what, what during what hours or uh, like eight to ten thirty, I believe, were the times. Coaching. Girls basketball. I do a lot of that. So usually I started because I, I got so in deep as to DVR this. So this is something that happened at, at home. And it's not what you think. It wasn't my show research. Oh. I did that after. Let's see. What would you do? You certainly didn't play with the dog. No, no. The children. No. Or talk to the wife. No, no. God, no. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't imagine anything worse. You didn't shovel snow because we had rain and warm temperatures. Right. So it's all gone. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm lost. In three days, I watched seven and a half hours of a documentary on the History Channel of Abraham Lincoln. You know, I watched a lot of that, I, too. I got sucked into that thing. I was just flipping by right as it started. I couldn't find a good basketball excellent. game on Monday night. I got sucked into where I recorded the next two nights and spent had to watch them that night. And yeah. You know, I hate movies. Seven and a right. half hours on Abraham Lincoln. It, it was, was fascinating. It, it was. It was excellent, wasn't it? I, it, it, it almost, almost makes me upset that I, I put so little uh, emphasis on education in my life. Because learning, learning some stuff was kind of fun. Yeah. It, it, I... Did see that. I didn't see every episode because, as you know, we were talking before the show, I was down in Durham or whatever, but we actually watched that. My father-in-law sat watched, oh, it must have been three or four episodes right in a row. Hey, the thing was endless. I mean, yeah. What, it was Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for two and a half hours each night, and I watched every second of it. It was great. Now, I'll tell you this, though. I will tell you this. If... In high school, in history class, I could have drank a beer and stuck my hand down in the front of my pants. I may have been more interested then, too. So, you know, note to the public school system, you could find ways to make this more accessible to dummies like me. True. But in high school, you know, now you've got classes and there's girls there and and you're – got your hand it's that yeah. just wouldn't go it's just that's that's how i like to learn apparently yeah. <laughs> something i didn't know yeah 
You know, maybe with online schooling now, I could go back and get, like, my Ph.D. Yeah, it'd be a 4.0 student. Take it online, hand in the pants, everything's good. Yeah, yeah. So. But, that no, you're right, though. That was excellent. I, I, I really thought that that was Learned, learned a lot of things I didn't know. I mean, oh, you know, I, I, I knew, like a, knew nothing. I kind of like a Civil War buff, you know, and, and I learned a few things about that, you know, that they had some really heated cabinet discussions about, you know, giving up Fort Sumter and all that, you know. And right. That was that was interesting. Oh, it, well, it was just to find out kind of the difference in, in either, I don't want this to become an Abraham Lincoln conversation Why not? President's Day was the other yeah, day. Why true. not? But, but unless people have their hand in their pants and are drinking beer, they're not going to find this interesting. Well, not everybody learns that way. Well, they should. I, <laughs> I, I highly recommend no, I mean, it. The beer part, that's fine. But, but I'm it's... trying to picture now, now, you know how little I pay attention to the news in current events, but trying to picture right now where, you know, the what I found the most surprising was Abraham Lincoln, when he's building that cabinet, putting his opponents in there. I think, what was he, a Republican, I think they said, which man, probably meant something different back then. Most of his cabinet were Democrats. And what was the other one? The Whigs. Wig. Yeah, he had all of those in there to get countering points of view. Can you imagine that happening now? Oh, no. Now anybody who doesn't agree with you 100%, not not only is wrong, they are evil and probably should be put to death. Should be put to death. You're not allowed to make a living. You, right. You well, can't yeah, you certainly can't work. Yeah, right. No, no. no, actually, I think he was the first Republican nominee. Right. It came, it was the Whigs. That's one thing that I learned. The Whigs in the couple administrations before were so split and ardent about I, I can't remember the the free slave straits and the whatever you yeah. know that like is there expanding that they fought, they couldn't unify as a party and it basically disintegrated. Right. And I mean, yeah, I, I didn't know that. That was that was weird. But I couldn't believe it. I got into this. You know, to to stick with it through the younger life is what surprised me. When it, we they got into the war stuff and they talked a lot of war strategy and that that was really interesting. Oh, to yeah, see how, no doubt. How all that went on. But anyhow, that, that's enough of that. I just can't believe I did it. I, I'm proud. I of feel you. like I should get a certificate or something, right? It's like I took a class. Well, I don't know what to give you other than you know just the. Hey, there we go. I'll take it. We get the History Channel to send me a diploma. I think they should. So, so somebody they won't be sending a diploma to is Phil Mickelson. Rick, what in God's name is going on? Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's um, this is turning into quite the interesting story, isn't it? This whole different, you know, the super tour whatever they're right. calling it and the pga tour and saudi how, arabia it's amazing how quickly it fell apart i mean there were reports we didn't get to it on the show last week i had it in my prep that at this time last week as of our recording DeChambeau, and it's nice to be able to say that without him making that creepy sex noise when I say it. <laughs> right. That DeChambeau was as good as gone, and, and there were other guys they hadn't released the names, and then instantly Phil comes out and spouts off, and then everything falls apart. And 
And boy, did he make himself look like a clown. Oh, no know, doubt. Now, the... for people that don't know, do you have the quote? Yeah. I don't have it right in front of me. Yeah, so, so this was from a uh, – first of all, this tells you everything you need to know about Phil Mickelson, the personality. So this quote is put out by an author of an unauthorized biography whom Phil Mickelson provided an interview to. You never give an interview to an unauthorized biography. They're not looking to paint you in the best light, right. by and large. But Fig Jam, as they call him, this is why, right? He will talk. If you could get his number, he would talk to us for an hour. If we could just track down his phone number, we could have him on Chaos and Disorder, I promise you. But he says the quote, at least according to the author, was in talking about Saudi Arabia, they are scary mother effers to get involved with. They killed Washington Post reporter Jamal Khashoggi, I don't know how to right. say that, and have a horrible record on human rights. They execute people over there for being gay. Knowing all of this, why would I even consider it? And then he pauses and says, because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. <laughs> so this yeah. ass clown... On the record, he tried to claim it was off the record, but hey, stupid, if you're talking to a reporter, it ain't off the record. Says, yes, I understand there's horrific human rights violations and nobody should be involved with the Saudi government, but if it makes me more money from the PGA Tour, then I'm willing to put all that aside. Yeah, that, that's okay. And, and, you know, piggybacking off that, um, uh, KPMG, a corporate partner with Mickelson since 2008, said Tuesday in an email, there's a mutual agreement on ending yeah, the endorsement contract <laughs> immediately. And, you know, it also came out that, um, you know, from the PGA Tour commissioner, uh, Jay Monahan says he has zero complacency when it comes to the threat of a Saudi-funded rival league, and he has a clear message for any player still tempted to leave. I told the players we're moving on, and anyone on the fence needs to make a decision, Monahad said Wednesday in a telephone interview. He also emphasized anew that players who sign up for a Saudi golf league will lose their PGA Tour membership card. First of all, that's bullshit. All right. Well, they may say it, and they may even do it. Let's say this thing comes back together. Because we'll talk about it. I think we talked way back when this was first coming up. I think we talked about this on length at the show, on the show. But let's just say a month from now, a year from now, Justin Thomas, DeChambeau, Rory, you know, name Dustin Johnson, 10 guys or the 10 most important guys to the PGA Tour say, all right, we're going to take our $150 million and we're going over there. And then a year later they come back and say, all right, we would like to play for you now. Yeah, there are exemptions into every tournament. There, you can't do that. That's here's stupid. here's here's something that I think some somebody like you and some people with that mindset may be missing. If they can't play here, you know, you have no Masters titles. You have no U.S. Open titles, British Open titles, PGA titles. You have no majors. If you're playing strictly for money, I get it. Right. But a lot of these guys, I mean, the, the guys that you already named, they don't need money. Right? Right. But they still seem to want it. Ask Phil. Well, yeah, they 
that's the thing, though. But see, they want their cake and eat it too. And I'm, I'm almost to the mindset a guy like Phil. Yeah, you know what? You're not going to get four Masters, pal. Yeah. You well, know, you're not going to get a British Open or whatever. You is know. Is that true, though? Well, am I wrong in the assumption that U.S. Opens USGA? I get it, and that the Masters and the the British aren't PGA events either. No. Or no, am I wrong on that? No, they're not. Well, I'm not sure about Masters because you get invited in when you win PGA Tour events okay. or if you have so many top tens and majors, blah, blah, blah. Well, well, we know the Royal and Ancient governs right. the, you know, the British. So, Are those, Is that an invitational? Is that like the USGA? It I doesn't really no, matter. No, it's, it's an not, open. You can qualify. Oh, the, the yeah. British Open. Yeah, right. never mind. Yeah, you qualify. And, of course, you get automatic invites for top ten in the last so many years yeah. or whatever, you know. But I think that maybe you're right with some of these big-name guys. It, it, I don't know. I, I'm I'm – have some real mixed emotions about how this thing is going to be received. If they hold true to it, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I want to forego a chance at a master's invitation or if the the Royal and ancient says, yeah, we're with the PGA tour, you know, blah, right. blah, blah. I don't know. I have no idea, but you know, these guys got egos. Oh, certainly. And, and not just empty wallets. I mean, they want to be, you know, look at Tiger. I mean, you know, I want to break Jack's record. Right. And so forth. So, I don't know. I, I'm I th- I'm at the mindset that they're going to have to find a compromise. Yeah, and, and I think they do. And probably, you know, probably to some degree, because it seems to be true in most professional sports, Maybe, you know, it always sounds fair to dummies like me because the amount of money these guys make is unfathomable to me. However, maybe the players aren't getting their fair cut, their fair share, you know, so maybe that drives them this way or this way or just the the prospect of hundreds of millions of guaranteed. I think that's a big piece of it, right, of guaranteed Saudi oil money is enough to make you take pause anyhow. But to take it as far as Phil Mickelson, and look, if you wanted well, to play for this, fine. So well, do be you it. want to go over there and play well, after saying stuff well, like no, that? Not now, you know, well, he, he can't. Now he's not welcome either place, right? Exactly. He goes to Saudi Arabia. He's going to get beheaded. You know, he's toxic here. I mean, Royal, Royal Rory, if I could spit that out, McElroy just took a right cross at him. He says, "I don't want to kick someone while they're down," but and we all know everything before but is bullshit, right? Yeah, but I thought they were they were naive, selfish, egotistical, and ignorant. A lot of words that describe the interaction he had with Shipnick, which was the the unauthorized biographer. It was just very surprising and disappointing and sad. I'm sure he's sitting at home and sort of rethinking his position and where he goes from here. That is a freaking haymaker in, in terms of yeah. being on record for McElroy and. Look, Phil, he'll go lay low for a couple years. He lost his sponsor. He'll lay low. He'll come back two or three years playing a major. We'll all forget this happened. Like, we forgot his insider trading. Like, we forgot all the other dumb crap he's done in his career. He's just – he's a greedy one. And But but to use this to openly acknowledge – here's where I struggle with this, right? 
he kind of said the quiet part out loud. The part the NBA and the NBA players won't say about China, right? right. They're going through this same thing. Yeah, you're right. In, in the NBA. And, again, I, I'm dumb. I don't pay attention. I don't understand the geopolitical stuff with with the Middle East or, or certainly with China and all that going on. But what I hate is, right, I'm tired of pro athletes. You play a sport long enough or you you make enough albums if you're a singer or you're in enough movies, put it all together is if you make enough money, now all of a sudden you become the renowned expert on everything. Right. This is why I don't like LeBron James, right? He is one of the two or three greatest players in the history of the NBA, probably. But I find myself actively rooting against him. And it's it goes back for me, and I pay so little attention, so I think this is that big a deal that I, this even bothered me and that I caught it, was that Daryl Morey thing a couple years ago where Daryl Morey essentially said, you know, you know, having concentration camps and, and slaves in 2020, 2019 in China isn't a very good thing. I mean, that obviously wasn't a quote. <laughs> well, and, LeBron, and LeBron said – you know, I think he needs to check his facts and, you know, really watch what he's saying. Really? You're yeah. just look, I get it. It's about your pocketbook. But when do you have enough money to where and Phil Mickelson said what LeBron James won't? I will sell my soul. I do not agree with what the Saudis do. I think Good it's day. horrific. Say but if me. the money's right yeah. and the PGA Tour can't match them. I'm gone. Good luck, dummies. And we all know what a whore Mickelson is. I mean, go back even through through his investments, right? Sure. Or his sponsors. Remember when he was wearing those ridiculous form-fitting dress shirts for yes. two years with his man boobs hanging everywhere? Yeah, he looked like because, a marshmallow be, man yeah, trying to swing Because they were club. the highest bidder. I mean, Phil Mickelson's just a paid whore. He and, said and, the quiet part out loud, and now he's in trouble. And there's always been those, um, those well-known reports where he is – has a certain time, like, okay, he's putting on the putting green, and then he walks over at 1 o'clock to the fans, and this putty face smile comes on his face. <laughs> he signs a few autographs, and at one fifteen, he's done, he gone. and that's it. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, so you're right. He's just a uh, he's just a money machine, yeah. and he doesn't matter how he gets it, apparently. Yeah, whatever, to, to each his own, that's fine. But he's burned some bridges there when you burn him on the tour. And I wonder, as somebody who's a fan of the PGA Tour, although, again, I tend to only watch the big events, I'd be lying if I said I watched a lot of John Deere classics or, or something. But – wanting everything to stay in the PGA as I know it and not being crazy about the Saudi Arabian thing. Because apparently, at least in the back of my lizard brain, I think about these things. I didn't watch a lick of Olympics. And the only thing I can come up with, you know how I feel about the Winter Olympic and the curling and the hot curling chicks. I love that stuff. I couldn't bring myself to watch it. It's almost got to be the China thing, right? It almost has to be. There was the no fans, the COVID still. I didn't like all that. But it almost... uh, if I did a deep examination into the bowels of my soul, I think that's what it is. So I don't like the idea. I don't know that I could support this going on in Saudi Arabia. You know, and another thing about um, the Olympics to me this year, yeah, the China thing and everything, but it was on the other side of the world. Yeah. And when you know what's happened, when you already know what's happened, I don't really care to watch it. Right. You you know what I'm I'm saying? It's kind of like – 
whatever. I mean, a, a basketball game that goes down to the wire, but you already know eight hours ahead who right. wins. Yeah. It doesn't really much matter. Yeah, that doesn't help. But I, I heard somebody on a podcast, I can't remember what show I was listening to or who said it or I'd give them credit for it, said, you know, that, the, the, the China thing, the COVID thing, there's a lot working against these Olympics. But another one is this is the third straight Olympics in Asia, which in and of itself isn't bad. But now people are sort of getting trained to we haven't had anything in a more normal time zone. So what's that? 16 years ago or something right, yeah so we now especially younger viewers who who these advertisers are targeting are associating the olympics with it happens while you're in bed you see it on twitter in the morning and then you watch it when you get home from work tonight and it's kind of hurting right. the interest in it. and that made sense to me you know because it sure. was well i think the last winter was in japan yes yeah, so- in no. The, or no, the summer was in Japan, and the previous winter was it in South Korea, maybe or, or Seoul was yeah recently. Or, I, was I in, can't remember. It, yeah. According to this, you know, it's two winters in a summer now, three in a row in Asia, and again for the world probably fine, but for a U.S. TV audience, which we are the biggest drivers of revenue, you know, in advertising, it appears NBC. Well, that's not th- good for the viewer. You would think, I mean, just being a world event. You could have one in Asia, and maybe the next year you have one in North America. Right. Or maybe the, then the next one, like over in Europe and in South America, and kind of rotate it that way. Of course, you know, Antarctica probably wouldn't be a great place. So, but, you know. Yeah. Well, winter. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Go from continent to continent, basically, to, to spur interest, local interest, local revenue for different people. I, I get it. They're different countries, but right. you know, China, Japan, Korea—it's all that Pacific Rim. And like you said, now all of a sudden it, it's twelve hours behind or right. whatever it is or ahead. I ahead, know. I think. Yeah. yeah. But bottom line, with the Winter Olympics, there should not be a Winter Olympics held that is not in Scandinavia or Canada. How about we just end the discussion there? Yeah. Quit making snow everywhere. Right. You know, well, I mean, okay, I'll give you Switzerland or Austria. Something like yeah, that in yeah. the Alps, something so like that. Scandinavia but, or thereabouts, right. I will say. Yeah. Because even when they when we've had it in the United States out in Utah, where it probably generally when was Salt Lake? It was probably twenty years ago now. Yeah. But where it's generally nine degrees and snowing. Of course, when we had the Olympics there it was about sixty five degrees <laughs> yeah. the whole time. Right. And you know, put the thing up in Manitoba, you ain't got that problem. Right. Like, put it in freaking Anchorage. You need to yeah. rebuild all of Alaska. Actually you don't yeah. want to tear Alaska. Yeah, you talk apart. about some of these Canadian cities you know you have alberta you have calgary i think they did have they did calgary, one in calgary very simple yeah if i remember uh right. winnipeg i mean there's all kinds of canadian cities that i'm sure would that could host winter olympics yeah, yeah. you know and then of course scandinavia and some of the european countries yeah well i get it but you know because even just the, the little bit i saw you know you see the pictures everywhere the absurdity of the backdrop of that ski jump where the only snow in the picture is on the ski jump. Yeah. And then those nuclear reactors behind them <laughs> with the with the Olympic rings painted on them was just about the most absurd thing <laughs> I'd ever seen in my life. I know. There's so a... to spin it back and wrap this up before we go to break. So so what do you think? Is this Saudi thing done? You know, are we done worrying about it or, or does this go no, on? No, I, I don't think it'll go away. I, th- I think it's going to be a... 
And, and maybe it'll be a, somewhere along the line it won't compete with the PGA Tour. That That's my maybe. guess. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have any idea. But if you're going to lose even a quarter of your field over there right. during prime PGA Tour events, you know, albeit the, the TPC leading up to the Masters, and you have whatever. And of course, you know, you've got like the, the Arnold Palmer Invitational and so forth. Important tournaments. Right. You know, I, I don't know. I, I think they'll come up with some sort of compromise where why not in Saudi Arabia? Why can't you play in September, October, yeah, November? I would think. You know I don't I'm know saying? the climate. I assume it's it's a it, desert. It can't be that it's cold. It's like Vegas. You yeah, know, I don't exactly. know. I don't know. What I do wonder, though, is if Phil Mickelson unwittingly put this thing to bed. That's the only thing in the back of my mind. Because it wasn't really being talked about. And and I remember, from what I recall, we didn't talk about it when this thing was first popping up. And players were, you know, and even a couple weeks ago when DeChambeau was flirting with going in these different guys. Just exactly what Saudi Arabia is. Now this is out in the ether how can you as a PGA Tour pro with major U.S. sponsorships go, yeah, well, Phil was right, but I'm going to go over there and take this money anyhow. It would be really hard, especially because so many of these top players, you know, with the money they make on tour, is that, that, that's well, incidental. It, and I'm, just by watching the Super Bowl, I'm giving to understand that U.S. Advertiser, advertisers are almost exclusively interested in political correctness now and not so much about selling products or making with the funny. So yeah, I don't, but, how do they go over there now well, with well, it being said out loud? Well, that's the thing, though. See, you know, you talk about political correctness and all this other nonsense, but it's also, and I, I know you and I don't get into the political thing, but, I mean, you know, we sit back and we watch this stuff. It can be spun anyway. Well, well that, yeah. Yeah. You know, that doesn't have that fill. Yeah. That just, in fact, it even says right in this story here. Most damaging to Mickelson were his vulgar descriptions of the Saudis. Also, well, the mean, issue was the bad word. Well, there, yes, they're also, <laughs> yeah. Right now, he's the one that's being vulgar. It's not those poor Saudis over there that's pumping out the five hundred million dollars yeah. or whatever it is. It's it's his vulgar description, which goes back to your point. He's not welcome either place. No. Huh. You know, so now he might he do him best just to lay low a little. Bit. Yeah, exactly. Well, I like your idea. You do it in conjunction. I would have no concern with. Look, they're talking about the Saudi Arabia. Not to interrupt you, but we're pumping billions of gallons of oil out of that damn place. What do they care about a couple of golf tournaments? <laughs> yeah, well, that's true too. It's, it's obviously a vanity project for someone right. over there. And if exactly. you're willing to throw. That amount. What I didn't don't like going back to when we talked about this the first time months ago. I don't like the idea from the player's perspective. It makes a lot of sense as a fan. I don't like the idea of guaranteed money. Right? No. Again, at the end of the day, I know when watching Dustin Johnson and Royal Ma- Rory McIlroy in the final group and Justin Thomas, whoever it is. The money's incidental. It doesn't change their lives one way or the other. But that NASCAR, you're playing for the money. It's not like, you know, team sports where you have your contract, you're getting paid no matter the result. It at least in theory is different in these other sports. And so 
what's your motivation to win the the, the Saudi Open? You know, what, I, I agree. Other I mean, than I, to win it, because you're leaving with the same amount of money. Well, that's the thing, and I mean, I think that's where I go back to my previous point about okay, it depends on how many of these institutions, the PGA, the the RNA, the Royal and Ancient, and so forth, get together on this quote unquote ban of of the these tournaments. Because, like, you know, people don't go over and play the Scottish Open because of the first prize. They go over because it's a national title. It gets you automatic bid into, like, U.S. Open, you know, British Open, obviously, and probably a multitude of other, you know, tournaments. Yeah. And, you know, and it's a much more – look, the Canadian Open used to be the fifth major. And – um, it, not officially, but I mean that was always considered like the official. Like if there was an example, just to give you an example, the fifth major, they used to have the World Series of Golf. It used to be just a foursome who won the four major tournaments. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. I'd, I'd never. Oh heard yeah, of that. that, that's what it used to be. <coughs> Pardon me, but say for example, Jack Nicklaus won the Masters in the British Open. Well, they needed a foursome. So they would bring in the Canadian Open winner. Oh, okay. You know, and that that's how that worked into that. Yeah, but Canadian Open, that's probably pretty good. We quit paying attention to that one. Stupid Canada. You all right over there? Is it the big one? Pardon me. Is it the big one? Uh-oh. We better sell. He's, well, yeah, I'm going to go coffee. sell some coffee. Rick can pull himself together. Now, the one unfortunate part about stupid being in, in jail this week is that that we're going to have to go in and out of the brakes cold. I can't. I'm not running back and forth to the studio. I'm going to control the control the ads from here. So we'll come back. Hopefully, Rick's still alive and a whole lot more right after this. Let's talk about our sponsor, Dead Sled Coffee. Dead Sled Coffee strives to create a culture of acceptance and respect no matter what your level of coffee knowledge is. They are distinguished coffee for the exceptional and unconventional. They offer amazing products that do not require your dictionary or your atlas to appreciate. Feel comfortable ordering their coffee and know that it is not a crime if you do not know where the beans came from or where it was processed. They have done all the work for you, having slurped and sniffed through endless cuppings so you can just sit back and enjoy your coffee experience. Not sure what to try? Well, try some of their new signature blends, the Robert England blend, the Kiss blend, and the Cypress Hill blend. Go to deadsledcoffee.com. Use the promo code DEADSLED15 and take 15% off your order. Deadsledcoffee.com. And hey, tell them Fligger and Briggs sent you. You could use some of that dead sled coffee right now to get that frog out of your throat. Yeah, a little went down the wrong pipe there for a minute. Give but, you the uh, Heimlich. Yeah, we we are talking a lot of a lot of geopolitical. That's me. I'm, I'm know, political. I mean, Rick, well, we, we, we both are. World politics is. But really I happen my to see a story interest. of of um, you oh. know from other countries. Great, how, great international import. I thought you might find it. Interesting. Oh well, of course, yeah. I'm. I'm I mean, it it is one of your, um, you know, closest. um, I would say studies. You know, Ah. you really like to learn a lot about this guy, Kim Jong Un (laughs) from from North Korea. I do enjoy Mr. Un. You know, other than the homicidal stuff. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm not too clean on that. Well, he has reportedly sent a group of gardeners to labor camps because their flowers failed to bloom Ah, on time. Ah, man. Boy, I, I just spent a lot of time in a camp then. <laughs> the, 
The North Korean dictator is said to have taken the decision after being informed that the, <laughs> get this, the Kim Jong-ilia <laughs> begonias. Oh, so it, all the flowers just so <laughs> yeah. happened to be named after and, him. Uh, yes. A flower named after his late father, Kim Jong-il, would not be ready to mark the former leader's birthday. Oh, the flowers were were set to be a centerpiece for a huge celebration on February 16th, known as the Day of the Shining Star. Ah, yes, yes. According to reports, a man in his 50s from Sam Sioux County, identified as Han. <laughs> well, Why is well, that funny? I mean, it's, it's well, funny. Well, I was, was the manager of a <laughs> This is just so... This, was the manager of a greenhouse that grows Kim Il Sungilias oh, and wow. Kim Jong Gilias? <laughs> How do you keep it all straight? And was sentenced to six months in a labor camp. Oh, six months of hard labor because they didn't grow. Well, the Kim Jong Gilias, which are also known as the immortal flower, were created by Japanese botanist Kamo Mototuru to mark. Jong Il's birthday in 1988. However, since his passing in 2011, the flowers become much more significant. It gets even better. Oh, so last month Han was ordered to Poor make Han. was ordered to, was ordered to make sure that the flowers were ready for a huge exhibition to mark both the Day of the Sun, a day to mark North Korea founder Kim Il Sung's birthday and the day of the shining star. Now, this is where it gets technical. Uh, this is where Han gets himself in a bind. <laughs> well, <laughs> in order to make sure that the special flowers are grown correctly, the temperature and humidity of the greenhouse has to be monitored carefully. Oh. Makes sense, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. I'm no botanist, but that makes right. sense to me. <laughs> now, here's the catch. Oh, okay. <laughs> this wasn't possible... And they failed to bloom in time because there was a lack of firewood. <laughs> they didn't plan to get wood ahead. So, wait, they're controlling this with fire? <laughs> oh, again, you, you, you have more of the green thumb than I do. How does the fire play into this? Well, that's what heats the greenhouse. Well, they don't it's wintertime in North Korea still. They don't have silly oil heaters over Apparently there? Apparently not. <laughs> they got firewood. And they didn't have much of it. And poor Han couldn't heat the greenhouse. Yeah, Han, Han couldn't get the yeah. firewood. So, a, a source told Daily NK News, Economic activity greatly decreased due to the strengthening of the country's emergency disease control measures, which led many Kim Il Sungia and Kim Jong Ilia greenhouses <laughs> to become neglected. Oh, well, so, so now I'm just punted. He wasn't even trying. So the thing is, there, you know, is nothing to do. So he's blaming with, the Rona. It's, it's nothing to do with this country living in the Stone Age. It's this guy <laughs> neglecting these greenhouses because yeah, well, he yeah. didn't have any wood to yeah. burn. Okay, but now they're suddenly saying that the Kim Jong Ilia flowers 
have to be grown in time for the event. So how is Han supposed to grow them? Oh, no, this is starting to sound like the beginning of a sitcom. Now he's going to do something wacky to make the it happen. The source went on. Other employees have been punished as well. Oh, oh. A flower grower surnamed Kim in her 40s was called in every day to the county party committee to report on the state of the flowers and to write self-criticism reports. <laughs> oh, we should do that on the show. Make Finkelstein every week write a self-criticism report. A man known as Choi, who is in charge of the greenhouse boilers. Oh, this guy's not <laughs> Yeah, good. He, he, what's his name? Choi. Choi's Choi. in trouble there. There's <laughs> yeah. no wood for was there's also, no boiling going on there. He was also sentenced to three months in the labor camps for not properly setting the temperature. There's no wood. How's he going to adjust the temperature? Han should have got him some wood. Uh, or it would be Kim Jong Woodia or whatever they call firewood over Difficulties there. growing both Kim Il Sungias and Kim Jong Ilias are not new, and they are often imported from China as a result. <laughs> well, who would take this job? So what? The- Although I'm guessing it's not voluntary. Uh, yeah, you don't take a job. You don't interview for it. But, I mean, if you are, you can't bid on the job unless you know you got enough firewood. I don't think there's no bidding. <laughs> no, it's a no-bid contract. <laughs> I don't think so, Rick. No-win situation. But I, Choi and Han, I feel sorry yeah, for them. Yeah, Han's got himself a tough one. It was in a no-win situation. I do like the idea of a self-criticism report. Yeah. I think that becomes a part of the show. I think that becomes part of Finkelstein's. Right. Every week we take set aside a couple of minutes where Finkelstein writes his self-criticism for the week prior. Yes. I think, I think we well, do. Well, he it. reads it. Well, t- absolutely. Yeah, he, yeah. Re- he and, reads it from. And then we see if we agree and we give, as we are wont to do, good fair, constructive criticism yes. based on his self-reporting and what we acknowledge. Now, we won't send him to a labor camp. No, no. Because he would fail miserably in one of those yeah, places. We've seen him <laughs> barely get out of the stairs getting out of this place. Yeah, just be sending him off to his death. I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to kill I mean, him. He's doing a good enough job of that on his own. He doesn't need any more help from us. I don't know how you pivot from Kim Jong-un. Well, I mean, smoothly. that is the pinnacle of the show. Yeah, so, There's no question. But, but Jawan Howard. What do you oh. think of that situation? Oh, that is gruesome, wasn't it? I mean, that, look, I mean, that's something that you see in a pickup game, you know, right. in pickup leagues yeah. and stuff like, you know, city leagues and things of that nature. Yeah, I, I really like Juwan Howard. I, I really do. I love, you, you remember my deal in the 90s. Oh, yeah. I love the Miami football team. I like that Fab Five. That's that's what I like, right. that kind of cocky, bombastic type of. So I love that team, and I love Jawan Howard. Was excited when he got that job as a coach. He, just in interviews, I've never met Jawan Howard. He seems like a cool guy. I, I really liked him. This is so stupid. I, I can't come up with a better word for it than just stupid, right? You're angry that – Wisconsin takes a timeout up big with 14 seconds to go while you're still pressing. 
if you want them to quit, then you need to quit. Right. right? I'm, I'm tired of this when we're talking pro sports, Division One sports. I'm tired of this, you know, where's the fair point at which somebody's supposed to quit? It feels like the most consternation between two teams, the real only rivals become when somebody doesn't give up and show mercy enough on somebody and continues to bash their head in, and now that's a problem. This is high level. Make no mistake, Big Ten – basketball is professional basketball of course it is and, and you're pressing it, and as long as you have this system of ranking right. teams and you only get ranked high by beating the brains out of the your opponents right what do they expect to happen okay you're up by three with two seconds to go so all of a sudden we just quit yeah oh you know we're not going to try i mean I'm sorry. Yeah, if if you, it's the it's the old adage. You don't want them to score. Stop them. Yeah. Well, and, but my problem with this is I I don't I guess I don't know this for certain, but I have to believe that if Jawan Howard wasn't pressing, they'd have just dribbled it out. True. Or or because for whatever reason. It's uh, it's acceptable for a walk-on to come in and start chucking from half court, no matter which way the score is going. That was always which I like. Don't get me wrong, I go to enough games. You know, it's always cool when the walk-on comes in and hits a shot. You know, like the kid on the end of the JV bench in high school. All right, so that's acceptable. But if it's a it's, if it's a rotational player, they're supposed to dribble it out. I'm even fine with that. But you're pressing. It's habit when the 10 second counts about. To, I mean, Jawan Howard honestly expected. That he was going to press, they were going to take a 10 second and violation get the ball back. and give him the ball back. Right. Why would we do that? I don't know. And then to even he to the moment, whatever, maybe he doesn't like this Wisconsin coach. I don't have any clue of the background. But for well, they to, are rivals. Okay, to, yeah, I, I to get let that. Let it go to but, that level where right. you're throwing punches. I saw something on Twitter. I don't usually like to quote this, but this one, you know, people say laugh out loud all the time. Right. I actually laughed out loud when I read this. I, I should have written again. I'm giving nobody credit today. I didn't write down who said this, but it said if Javon Howard was going to punch anyone for calling a timeout, it should have been Chris Weber. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now that made I me was laugh. thinking the same thing. You're right. Yeah, that, that, that would go. Me, that made me laugh. So then all the hand ringing on ESPN and, oh, how can we prevent this from ever happening again? And everybody came up with a solution. No more handshake line. And did you see Tom Izzo just lost his <laughs> mind? He was asked about it. It had nothing to do with it, but they asked him about it. This is the most stupid, I'll find the quote, stupid, asinine thing I've ever heard. Essentially saying because one idiot couldn't control himself. <laughs> we well, you know, and, and that's what kills me. How is it that, like you said, using your term, all the hand-wringing and, and the offensive thing, how can the NHL <laughs> just throw gloves down and knock each other's teeth out for seven-game series? But at the end of that damn series, how can every one of them be a civil human being yeah. and shake the other guy's hand when nobody else seems to be able to yeah, do that. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I, I, I just don't. I don't. There, there's always some underlying thing like the, the, the Mason Rudolph, you know, Miles Garrett thing back, you know, a couple years ago. Oh, it was racially based and everything. 
you know, let's just face it. You guys lost your temper. Right. Yeah. You know, as simple as that. Jawan Howard lost his temper. So what? Bobby Knight threw a chair across yeah. the court. Well, that's you the know. other thing. Well, I think we get there eventually. I don't think this was the end of the world. I mean, again, ESPN in the immediate aftermath bringing people on. I mean, Jawan Howard has to be fired. He can never coach Why? again. Why? <clears throat> Why? Five-game suspension. I think that's reasonable, yeah. right? I think I, I got mean, no if problem. he turns it into a habit, yes. Well, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, yes, in the heat of battle. I mean, we've seen every sport you've ever watched. People, it comes to blows. Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is just. And it's a bad look. You expect more from a head coach. That's why you find him right. and give him a five-game suspension. They wanted him fired immediately. Yeah. It was just crazy. But listen to this Tom Izzo quote when he was asked about, you know, some smart know-it-all reporter. So, you basically, we yeah. should get rid of the handshake line, right? Then this will never happen again, as only Tom Izzo could put it. <laughs> that, to me, would be the biggest farce, joke, ridiculous nature of anything I've ever heard of. We've already taught these poor 18-year-olds that when you're told to go to class and you don't like it, you can leave. We've already told these kids that if you're not happy, you can do something else. We've already told these kids that it's hard to hold them accountable. And now we're going to tell them to not man up and walk down a line to some, to shake someone's hand who's kicked your ass and have enough class to – hold on, I read that completely wrong. And now we're going to tell them to not man up and walk down a line to someone who's kicked your ass and have enough class to shake their hand. It's utterly ridiculous. So if the president said it, I think he's full of it. If the best coach in America said it, I think that gets me more than this incident. <laughs> that only Tom is though. I, <laughs> hey, what else can you do? That's, yeah, brilliant. Now, I did get to thinking that. I do find it odd, other than the end of a Stanley Cup playoff series and college basketball are the only where you just line up and it's the established right. handshake line. I, apropos, I'm well, not the, saying get rid of it. It's the tradition. Well, the NFL is different, you know, because now they all hug and kiss each other yeah. after every game. Oh, yeah. I mean, give, exchange pants and the yeah. such. The, the yeah, great, jerseys and all this oh, other yeah, nonsense. Just a great and pants hold the other guys' kids game. and take pictures and so forth. Yeah, yeah I, I don't understand that. Um, they used to do it in baseball. I don't think they do it any uh, longer. They shake each other's hands. Like the losing team just rolls out and the right. winning team shakes each which was always a weird one too. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's, um, but, of course, we had to worry about baseball apparently. Oh, so. oh God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, and I don't even want to go there until, you know, and, and that's the thing. Just touching on that very briefly because I'm so sick of the baseball drama. Well, they met for 15 minutes today. <laughs> well, they met for an hour today. Well, if these guys are really interested in getting this done, they would all have hotel rooms and they would be meeting in a conference room for 12 hours every stinking day. Right. Simple as that. Yeah. It. This might be the one. You know, if if they miss games. I've been kind of out on baseball, but not to the level of open hostility that you have and that you've harbored since 94. Since 94, I I get the steroid error, saved it. Then they turned around with their self-righteous bullshit, and now they don't (laughs) want these guys in the Hall of Fame, the same class of guys that saved the damn sport. Right. And now we have every analytic under the sun, but pitcher can't go over four innings if he's got more than 65 pitches and 
but you can't throw a curveball on Tuesdays if it's raining and everything. It's like, my God, I mean, it's not even baseball anymore. No. Uh, You know. Yeah, it's not much. And that's the thing, right? The game's already, it's not interesting to anyone under 25 because they can't pay attention to anything, apparently. You're... They've lost you and the people of your ilk who, you know, remember when Bob Gibson threw 35 complete games in a season and it was a hard-nosed game. Kind of all they have left is my range kind of in the middle there, and you're pushing us out, right? It's just, I get it. You know, and look, I get it. They've had what is, how long ago was 94, 30? Almost 30 years ago 30 years ago. 28 years ago. They've had labor peace, Mm -hmm. so they claim. There hasn't been a work stoppage since then, but it's just all this crap over and over. Go back to 2020, the COVID year, and nothing else was on. You could have been the only game in town, and still they held out and drug it out for months because they couldn't agree on anything, and I'm just so tired of it. And The game's just not interesting, and the competitive balance of being a fan of a team that doesn't even have to try to win. Well, and and that's the thing. Until they fix baseball, period. I mean, you know, look, unless you're in – Los Angeles, St. Louis, New York, Boston. Nobody cares. No. Because nobody's in the running. Okay, once in a while, Arizona's around. Or, you know, Chicago. God knows why they're not a big, you know, big enough market to be a player every year. I, right. I have no idea. But, you know, it, it, every now and again, Miami will buy a team yeah. and so forth. Houston. But your Pittsburgh's. Let's say Milwaukee's never going to be any kind of a threat for any type of run. Baltimore, they've been the dregs even worse than Pittsburgh, you know, over the – Detroit's not going to do anything. Kansas City can't ever seem to get it going. And, I mean, there's just no – there's not enough market. No. And, well – Share for these teams. And, and look, it's kind of like – Going back to the geopolitical thing again, where a lot of these, and I'm not even mentioning who, but a lot of these people say, well, I don't think that North Dakota should have the same amount of senators as California, because California has so many more, or New York or whatever, because they have so much more people and so much more, you know, revenue, whatever the case may Mm -hmm. be. Well, you know, there's 50 states and there's 100 senators because each state's represented equally. That's what a lot to be in baseball. Each team should have an X amount of dollars to spend. Oh, you mean like the NFL? Duh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, well, that's simple as that. I mean, it, but, but they try to justify this. Well, New York's a much bigger market than Pittsburgh, so obviously they should get more money. Well, no, they shouldn't. Well, it's well, they're generating. They're more going money. to get more yeah. money anyway. Well, what I what I found interesting, I'd never heard it put this way. I heard uh, Richard Justice being interviewed on Tony Kornheiser's podcast, and he talked about uh, talking to Mark Cuban. And Mark Cuban had made efforts in the past to buy the Pirates, and there was one other team I can't remember. He was trying to buy another team. I can't remember what I it can't was either. I remember. And, the, yeah. and he says in trying to negotiate those those deals. He says, I wasn't negotiating to buy a baseball team. I was negotiating media and and print rights, and that's what this is. So there is no incentive 
for these teams to make any effort to win. There's none. You've got your money coming in from the luxury tax, from the revenue share, plus your media. I guess, well, no, and I guess that's the point, right? In Pittsburgh, to what you just said, the market's only so big. And so you're never going to get the New York-style media, local media money in Pittsburgh that you're going to get. So you just look to maximize that. You save money on the payroll and on everything else. There's no pressure to win. The league's not holding your feet to the fire. None of that's happening. And so that that's what it is. There's no reason for these owners to compete. If they can take the heat in the media and from the fan bases, it makes no difference if that stadium's empty. It makes no difference if there's open vitriol like there is in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh for the ownership group. They're clocking checks, clocking checks, clocking checks because of media rights, revenue sharing, this and that. In fact, from a true business standpoint, I guess I can understand it would be foolish to go out there and put up a $250 million payroll and try to win. It'd be foolish because you can't make that up. And that's where the NFL has the built-in advantage, right? There is no local, well, there is to a smaller degree. But the, the broadcasting rights, the media rights are league-wide, right? And then everybody gets that well, split. I mean, I, they probably, that's look, what baseball needs to do. Look, and I, and I get baseball is, is more or less a daily game over right. months and so forth. I, I get that. But, you know, you watch football. I mean, look, I know what you do and you know what I do. I don't care if it is – the New York Giants and the freaking Denver Broncos. I'm watching it. Right. Okay. That seems to be the, you know, say that's the, say the Monday game. I'm, I'm going to watch oh, it. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. But see, like Monday night baseball or whatever it is, it's always Boston. That's it's the always thing, right. New York. It's always Los Angeles. It's never Pittsburgh and Milwaukee. No. It's never Cincinnati and Cleveland or whatever the case may be. And why can't they just make all that equal? We talked about the NHL. I mean, talk about the biggest blunder they ever made. Right. They were making all kinds of sh- – they were probably number three out of the four sports for a, for a short time, like in the 90s, when they were on ESPN and ESPN2 six nights a week. What do you got playing over there? Is that coming for me? Yes, yeah. it is. Where's that coming from? Boy, that was a Finkelstein-like moment I just had. Yes, it was. Oh, it's Charles Barkley in a Capital One commercial. Well, Those are always funny. Yeah, they're hilarious. But, you know, I, I don't know why there there can't be some sort of equality. I It, it just makes and, – and I and I don't understand it, obviously, like, like you said. You know, it's not – the league doesn't care because they're making – yeah. boatloads of money right. and it doesn't they don't care where it comes from they don't care if they get the same if they got 50 percent from new york and 50 percent from pittsburgh or 100 percent from new york and nothing from pittsburgh doesn't matter yeah, they same got the amount same of money. amount of money right yeah you're you're exactly right and just yeah and, and it's a good point right you know there was a time where, you know, I'm not some hockey, I didn't grow up playing hockey, I didn't really, you didn't, hockey wasn't much on TV when I was a kid until I got older and we got, you know, even before cable came, you know, I'm old enough and lived far enough out in the boonies that cable wasn't available where I lived until my senior year of high school, but I remember when I was a little bit younger than that, we got one of the, ah, 
studio's falling apart. We got, we got one of those giant satellite dishes, you know right. what I mean? I could turn it and I could get, basically all you could get was stuff out of Canada. Right. You know how I feel about Canada, but their TV you was hear all that, right. You that, Chris? All right. Much, much music instead of MTV. It was like broke dick MTV. But uh, you could get a lot of hockey games, and that was where I kind of got introduced to the Penguins. I could watch them, and those are the Mario Lemieux, Yarmer, Yager teams. Mm. I was like so that. lucky in a way because I, I – I didn't see a lot of it, I guess, early on, but but I can remember Gretzky and those Edmonton Oilers mm-hmm. teams, you know, and then the Penguins drafted Mario in 85, you know, or 84, 85, forget exactly the year. It was 84, yeah. 84. And then, you know, they started getting good, but then all of a sudden, boom, it's on ESPN, ESPN 2. Right. I'm watching – Calgary play Edmonton. I'm watching Pittsburgh right. play yeah. New Jersey. I mean, three or four. My wife was a hockey fan. We yeah. would sit there. She hated Jim Schoenfeld and the Washington <laughs> Capitol, Peter Bonder and all those guys. Oh, that's know. a good woman hey, right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a keeper. But, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, we were – I mean, it was – and we were fans. And yeah. then all of a sudden, boom, it's gone. And then it got on this – Weird ass. Well, remember they put it on the Nashville or the outdoor network. It started out as the Nashville (laughs) network, like the country music station. Then it turned into the outdoor channel. And then, but, but that was the point. Then as I got older and, you know, and I had cable and it was on and I will watch. And that's my point across all sports. And it would be the same with baseball, if not for what you said. I will casually watch just about anything. Yeah. Right. You know, I will catch if there's a hockey game on, and they're hard to find now. There's a they little are. more than there used to be, but not like there was when there was something every but night. You really have to look. Right. You and know. That's the thing. But I would casually then watch an NHL game, and I became a fan not just of the Pittsburgh Penguins, but of the NHL. I will casually watch. You know, well, any football game. Yeah, you know, right. I watched Stony Brook play college basketball yeah. the other night. Now I'm a, you know, that's probably still my favorite sport is college basketball. But point being, I will watch bad college basketball rather than, you know, I guess now I watch Abraham Lincoln documentaries too. But by and large, I will do that. I will not over and over and over and over again watch the Yankees play the Red Sox. Right. I won't do it. I would watch. I would casually watch the Orioles play Kansas City. You know, maybe right. not sit through it the whole way, but I will check in. And if anything intriguing's happened, which so often doesn't happen in baseball anymore, that's an entirely different yeah. conversation. Boy, you're not kidding. But you can catch my attention pretty easily with a sporting event, and they're making no effort to do it. I'm, I'm done. I'm not watching the Dodgers anymore. I'm not watching the Yankees play the Red Sox. Yeah, I'll watch the Padres for a little bit, you know, Tatis, you know, there are some guys that are interesting there, but they're going to wear that one out. So you're well, pushing yeah, the casual the fan out. And they don't care. They just, they, they don't care. I, we keep saying it over again. It comes in. It's not going to change. Whatever they work out, and they'll work out something here after they should, but it, it's not going to change anything. I agree 100%. Hey, I think we ought to sell some yeah, sandwiches. Sandwich. And I have a rare physical condition to report. Oh, you have? Well, no. Or is that the tease? No. Is there something you're trying to tell us? It, it could be something that would be interesting to have, but. The time is nigh. Right uh, after, you bet. Right after this. We would like to take this opportunity to tell you about our sponsor and friends, The Chop Shop in Butler, Pennsylvania. The Chop Shop is leading the way in the western Pennsylvania area for good eats. 
With fresh menus, great specials, in-house made desserts, and the recently added iced tea, lemonade, and milkshake bar, you're sure to find something to fulfill that craving or hankering, and even a little something extra for that sweet tooth. Yep, they even have gluten-free and vegetarian options as well. You know, between Facebook, Google, Yelp, and TripAdvisor, they average 4.7 out of 5, and that's over a 10-year span, so they are consistently killing it. You can check them out on Facebook, but also at ChopShopButler.com. Or do yourself a favor and visit them at 108 North Main Street, Butler, Pennsylvania. And tell them Flager and Briggs sent you. I'm happy not having Finkelstein here, but I don't like this cold in and out of breaks. I think you know, normally a producer would do this, but I think I need to cut these promos just with the music already laid over them, and then we definitely don't need it. Yeah, I think and we, and we can make different commercials and oh yeah, yeah have all kinds of I think we do need stuff. to recut the recut the spots here I think so I think we're due yeah we're due we, we, that we, always goes so well for us when we try to cut spots we always get it on the first take it has been done but not very often and not by me no <laughs> definitely not by you <laughs> I don't read so good but they're due to a rare condition okay a pastor has discovered that his gut has been brewing its own alcohol every time he eats carbs. Oh, this is this is your dream come true. Although at first glance, it might sound like a brilliant problem to have, that hasn't been the case. Adam Stump, <laughs> what a great name, suffers from ABS, which is auto-brewery syndrome. <laughs> This is your dream come and, true. And it would lead him to becoming very drunk and aggressive without touching a drop of the hard stuff. <laughs> What's the he four, eating again? The 40-year-old would often black out and slur his speech. His bewildered wife, Jana Stump, was convinced that her hubby was an alcoholic. It was only when the, the stay-at-home mom released, oh, realized something was wrong when breathalyzer showed Adam was over the legal driving limit despite spending the entire day together without drinking. <laughs> After various trips to the doctors, who also thought he was a secret alcoholic, <laughs> it was discovered that he had been suffering. See, that's what I will give you. You're not a secret alcoholic. You are right out in the open. Yeah, he, he now takes antibiotics to manage his condition. Adam, where's this guy from? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, oh, baby. Man, we're going to find him. Yeah. You two are going to become best friends. Hey, we got to get him on the show. Oh, I think absolutely, in person. We won't have to buy him any beer. Yeah. At the, just feed him some spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> At the start, Janet didn't believe I had been, hadn't been drinking. She thought I was sneaking it somewhere. I had to convince her that I hadn't been drinking. Could you imagine getting a DUI because you ate a Strumball? Yeah, really. <laughs> that would be a bitch. <laughs> it was terrible for her to think that I was living a double life. When I was diagnosed, <laughs> she collapsed and said she couldn't take any more stress. <laughs> I would slur my speech, black out, and walk around talking but not remember any of it. I was quite belligerent and combative. I didn't hurt anyone, but once I threw the dining room table. <laughs> the whole table? <laughs> Yeah, and had to get a friend round to calm me down. 
there were a few times when my wife would be locking, would be looking for me, and I'd be in strange places like the garden or laying on the basement floor with no <laughs> recollection of how I got there. Oh, I spent some time laying on the basement floor in my day. Yeah, but you know, you're not for me eating a plate of spaghetti. No, no. He added, I wasn't a very pleasant person to be around. I felt like I was going to snap. Boy, this sounds like you, except for the rare <laughs> disease. I mean, this is really hitting it, hitting home. Some people can be funny when they're drunk, but that isn't what auto brewery syndrome is. It's a personality changer. It's like having a hangover and being drunk at the same time. Oh, that's no good. After discovering Adam wasn't secretly sneaking booze janice suspected he might have auto brewery syndrome would you actually suspect anyone would have auto brewery syndrome it wouldn't have been on the top of my list i'd have stuck with secret drunk (laughs) he began uh he was uh diagnosed in february of 2021 and began treatment in march now Adam has been forced to give up practically all carbs and lives on a diet of meat, cheese, and eggs. Well, that doesn't sound awful. He's the probably diff- ripped now. This is wild. He had to take three months off work due to nausea, diarrhea, and stomach cramps from withdrawal symptoms. Oh, he went through a yeah. withdrawal. Wow. So did it say, was I not paying attention? Was I too busy making with the funny that it explains why this is happening? Just the carbs metabolized into alcohol? Yeah, it, it brews. You know, I mean, yeah. well, well, basically, alcohol is produced by yeast Yeah. Uh, digesting the sugar, you know, like that's in a malt, you know, the, the malts yeah. that you use. Well, the byproducts from that, from those yeasts, is alcohol and carbon dioxide. So he was probably just drunk and burping and farting all the time. <laughs> well, again, this sounds a lot like you. But that, that's Quite weird. frankly, I'm getting uh, belligerent and not a pleasant well, person right now. You showed up belligerent. <laughs> now the, the seven beers you've drank since we've been here are just exasperating the problem. Yeah, well, you know what Uncle Rick has. Yeah, little Uncle secret. Rick's back, I guess. Here we go. So we only got a couple minutes left. i got to get out of here. But. You don't know what I'm doing in April. You have no idea. If you were going to the Masters, you would be taking me with you. No, not the Masters, but I am going somewhere. Okay, where are you going? You're going to New Orleans. I'm going to New Orleans for the Final Four. I don't know. How did you know that? That's a little bit weird. I know. You're going to New Orleans. I'm not looking forward to it. I am, but I'm not. This doesn't seem like a fun time to travel. Wouldn't blame you. That means me and Finkelstein have to do the show Without you. Yeah, well, I'll be coming back on a Tuesday. Okay. So, but I'm going to be butt grumpy. So, get this. So, apparently, like that's a big change. Yeah, apparently, flights in from Pittsburgh to New Orleans and from New Orleans back to Pittsburgh happened only at 6 a.m. or 9 p.m. And no time in between whatsoever. So, what, they don't even tip the national championship game till what, after 9 o'clock. All right. And so, so you're leaving 6 a.m. Well, I'm going down because I got Final Four, too. So I'm leaving Friday night at 9 p.m., which Friday night's fine. I don't care about that. But coming home, so Monday night the game will tip at 9. It'll be over at midnight. I'll be back to the hotel at 1. 
and my flight leaves at 5.55 a.m. I had really dug down and found myself a 6.55 a.m. flight 18 minutes after I booked it. They canceled it and put me on the 5.55 a.m. flight. I'm not going to go to bed. Well, rest assured, when we do the show that day, I will not poke the bear. I I will be pleasant and, and very congenial. Yeah, but I'm just so looking forward to this with the newly deputized mass police who used to be flight attendants and all the bullshit that goes on in airports and airplanes. And then apparently New Orleans is crazy about all this stuff. It's just uh, I I picked a bad time to do this. And you know what? I'm sitting here as you're describing all this, and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I'm going to be in my leather recliner with my big screen TV. Not true. Eating wings and drinking beer, not, watching the Final Four. Not true. Well, well maybe the Final Four, not the national championship. I will stay up and watch that. you will be passed out drooling all over yourself 20 minutes before the tip happens. <laughs> I, it depends on who it is. You <laughs> oh, know, yeah. But, you know, I, I tell you what, before we get out of here, we have to come up with something. Oh, all right. I'm good at coming up with that, something. Uh, remember last year, the debacle with the NCAA oh, tournament? No, we're doing it again. Yeah, but we're going to do it right where these jackasses can't come in (laughs) and, you know, basically hack the system and start throwing in winning sheets. No, it's going to be same thing, $100 of Rick's FanDuel winnings. But, yeah, I think all it is is stupid just had to not make it public and then they – or there was some setting or something. That's not something that it's just right out there. Well, no, they don't tell you it's happening. But don't give him any quarter. I'm not. He he is supposed to be a producer. I get it. Although it is nice pointing to the empty chair for a change. Yeah. Notice how it's, like, facing us. (laughs) That is kind of weird, right? (laughs) I know. I I don't like that. That's what he'd be doing, staring at you like a confused puppy the whole show. Yeah, when do I, I push my button? I don't, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> when, uh, boy? When? We don't are play you that. Gonna get your act together? Oh, oh yeah, just let it run. Me. I think he's the Antichrist. I laugh at him. I want to talk to you. Now, listen. Don't walk away from me when I'm talking to you. You get a good I job really before don't. sundown. Or we're what, shipping you off to military school with a Finkelstein kid. Son of a <laughs> Never gets old. All right, well, let's get out of here. Thanks Please. so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the enjoyed the Finkelsteinless show as much as we did. I, I assume he'll be sprung by this time next week. I don't know. It, de- it depends. If he's just in jail, he'll probably get out. Yeah. But if he made Mitch mad, I don't. I oh, yeah. have no he, idea. He, he may be floating down the river somewhere. Yeah, I, I we'll come back next know. week. We didn't get into, so I'll just have another week to compile. I've been quietly compiling my my favorite new segment on the show that we haven't done in a while. Out of context, Uncle Rick tweets, and so I have some of those. I'm sure we'll add more gems this week. So we'll get into that. Check out. I have an opinion on everything. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And we'll we'll get to that at Chaos and Disorder on Twitter. Chaos and And Disorder. And I tell you what, somebody pissed me off today. Oh, did they? Or yesterday? I can't remember when it was. (laughs) Again, (laughs) as I said in the opener, that's just rage at the baseline. About about the Washington Commander name. Oh, I did see you yelling at somebody about that. That you know. 
And it's probably the same jackass who said, oh, you need to change the name because it's horrible. Right. So they change the name. Well, I don't like I that can't one. use that name. <laughs> I, well, you know, deal with it, asswipe. I'm sorry. I got nothing better than that. Until next time, we'll see you. Take care. Yeah, I can't get enough of it.